for the opportunity to come before you again to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Our eyes are opened, our ears are attentive. Father, we thank you to enlighten us further. Reveal to us things that you have for us to understand. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So last month we were uh, reading the Ephesians prayer, um, you know, preaching from that. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to, through 23. And uh, <clears throat> I think I explained that the first few years of my salvation, I prayed this prayer continually. People, you know, who are more mature in the Lord than I and I think it's good to listen to people when, when the Spirit of God is leading them to tell you things. Uh, that is not to be dependent on people, but that's how we grow as a body. We learn from one another. We get wisdom from one another. We edify and build up each other uh, in the things of the Spirit. And you can always prove out what's true and what's not. You put it before the Lord, uh, and, and you try it. If it works, then you continue with it. If it doesn't, you know, you, you can discard it. You know, you're, you're not bound to anything. But I found that praying the word always works. Amen. And, <clears throat> amen. And, and this being an apostolic prayer, it means that it was prayed by the early church for the early church. And these prayers are inspired by the Holy Spirit. They are prayers from the throne of heaven where God tells you exactly what you do. Uh, just like the Lord's Prayer is Jesus' instruction to his disciples. When they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think what they were doing, you know, they knew that John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And it's like, Jesus, how come you don't do, do us like John do his people? We want to be a part of that, you know. And, and Jesus always comes back with a serious uh, a reading of the needs of their hearts. And so that the Lord's Prayer is a universal prayer, and it works. You know, it, there was a situation not too long ago of an um, incident in a sports arena. I don't know if it was a high school or a college game, but I think a coach had, had a heart attack on the floor. And all over the stadium, they began to pray the Lord's Prayer. A man came back to life. You know, God raised him up. And so, amen, God honors his word. There was a, uh, I think I've given this testimony before, but <clears throat> even in the secular arena sometimes, there are things, too, that, that, that God anoints no matter who says them. You ever notice Amazing Grace? The worst sinners can sing that song, and God always shows up. He don't understand. He, you know, honors his, his word above his name. But there was a, a, a testimony given some years ago about a gentleman who had written a play. He wanted to write a play on one of the Gospels. And he decided for some reason the Gospel of Mark might be because it's one of the shortest, but the Gospel of Mark was what he chose. He felt like it included everything that he felt was necessary to tell about Jesus and his story while he was on earth. And you know the end of Mark 16 and verses 17 and 18 it says, and these signs shall follow those who believe. And when they would read those words every night, somebody would come up to the back of the place and tell them they got healed. Their people got healed all over the, and these are, these are sinners with a secular prayer. But if you believe God's word, amen, you receive the benefit of it. And so, amen, 
<coughs> so these things are, are very, very important to know. Uh, many, many years ago, uh, this was really during what we call the Middle Ages, the, you know, maybe uh, 15th through through 18th centuries or 15th and 16th centuries. But in Europe, they, they had a, um, a tradition once a year, they would have the king pray for people. And it was called the king's touch. And when he will, whomever he would pray for, they would give a sovereign, a coin. You know, I don't know if we, what the worth of value of it, but they were. It was thought that more people lined up to get the coin than were really sick. But there would there would be people that would come there, and at the king's touch, they would be healed immediately. There are people that had the worst diseases, you know, uh, infections and things of that nature. Pus would just dry up on them immediately at the king's touch. And they, they got it because they felt that believers could lay hands on the sick and they would recover. And they felt the king being the chief person there, they'd use him to do it. And so that's, that's but you know, God honors his word, folks. He always honors his word. And I believe these prayers that are, have been prayed over the church already, they were prayed for the early church, are extremely important for us to grab onto because we know God authored them. He will honor him, and these these uh, uh, benefits of these prayers are the things that God knows that we need, and so they're important for that reason. And so we we used to make bookmarks with this prayer on. Everybody had a copy of the Ephesians one, <coughs> excuse me, prayer in their Bibles, and we uh, always pray them continually, commit them to memory so that you can understand what God has in store for you. So we had completed down and through, uh, I think, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Many people feel they get revelation but they lack wisdom. Everybody wants to see a vision, a dream, or you know something like that. But when you go off, when you take that as being important and you don't stay with it to find out, number one, is it from God? Number two, what's he saying to you? See, that's the most important thing is to hear from God. The vision means nothing without an interpretation and understanding that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. So we talked about having uh, the about the hope of your calling. And, and this is what God wants to reveal to his whole body. What are you here for? What did God place you particularly? Now, I'm not talking about the church and everybody else because we have a tendency to assume we know what God has for us based on what he has for somebody else. See, we're good at adopting other people's titles, wearing other folks' clothes, they mantles. Huh? Well, I got so-and-so's mantle, and I got so where you where is what's your own? Do you have do you own anything of your own? Go get your own mantle. Get out of mine. Hmm? You know, I mean seriously. And there's a reason for that, is because I think many times people don't believe God really will tell them what they're here for. So you have to pick up what somebody else is doing and hope it fits. Huh? You hope it fits. 
remember that story about the lady that that uh, was angry with the church. She was on her deathbed, actually died with cancer, and uh, uh, talked face to face with Jesus. She says she had studied for many years. I guess she lived next door to the church, and, and the church had burned down. Part of it had burned down. While they were re- rebuilding the church, they moved all the church books into her home. She let them keep them there. It was a church library. She read all those books from cover to cover. She felt that she was called to the ministry, but they would never acknowledge women as ministers. She did all of this weed- reading. They still wouldn't acknowledge her and so forth and so on. She got very bitter and angry. Be careful how you feel about people. You know, keep short accounts. Don't don't get mad. It ain't worth going to hell over. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, be loving and forgiving. Understand that you need forgiveness too. Even though you think you're perfect, you're not. You know? Usually when we're quick to pass judgment on other people, we need the most help. You know? That's what my Bible says. You're looking at the little speck in your brother's eye, and you got a great big board in yours. Can't see for looking, as they say. But she was bitter and angry and developed cancer and was on her deathbed. And she said she came face to face with the Lord, and she said he, he had a big sieve, you know, like a flower sifter, between her and he. And she said everything that she had done all her life dropped down through that sieve and everything fell through except for she had adopted a little orphan boy and that was the only thing that was left in there and jesus said didn't i tell you that as you have done unto the least of them you have done unto me See, that's the only thing directly everything else was a waste all her study all her prayer all her wanting to be a minister all her wannabe stuff And she begged God for another chance. She came back. I think she was in her 50s or 60s at the time this happened to her. She lived in Michigan because she said she went to a lady's farm. God showed her a woman in a vision that uh, she was to meet. And this woman was going to care for her and pray for her. And she would be healed. And she went and lived on this farm with this woman and and, uh, stayed there and God healed her. But she said she had to forgive people one by one. You got me? Amen. And acknowledge her sin. Sometimes sin does keep people from getting healed. Unforgiveness is the easiest one because the Bible says if you call for the elders of the church, they'll pray over you. And and if you've committed any sins, they're forgiven. That's automatic. You see what I'm saying? <clears throat> but you still have to confess them. You don't get a pass from God and say, well, this is they, they was mean to me. That's why I didn't. No, you didn't. Everybody mean to somebody or something. Everybody loves us. It's another meeting, right? <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. So, <laughs> but, but we need to understand God's law, his mercy, his goodness, what he appreciates, what he doesn't appreciate, what he expects of us. And so we are to know the hope of our calling. That lady really was called to the ministry. After she was healed, she has not ceased to go around the world. She said at that point, I think she was in her early 80s when we heard her testimony. She said she'd been to over 40 countries preaching the gospel. She said she went anywhere and everywhere God sent her. 
and she didn't need that church's approval to do anything. See, her the eyes of her understanding, amen, finally became enlightened to know the hope of her calling. You know, if a denomination doesn't want you, denominations don't call you anyway. God calls you. So if you don't have God's call on your life, and you do what you have to do to fulfill the call of God on your life. Yeah, I was married, and, and my husband was not a believer yet. And, you know, but he never, God never let him stand in the way. And I would hear women say, well, my husband don't want this. I say, you do a lot of stuff he don't want you to do. Just don't tell nobody about it. Liar. It's true. When did you ever care what he didn't want you to do? Where's my drummer? But I'm bump. I do my own drumming. I ain't thinking about y'all. But that's, that's the weakest, flimmiest excuse I've ever heard. Or my kids. Oh, Lord, don't talk about where you throw them when you want to go somewhere. Huh? Mm-hmm. Just a thought. But, you know, if you understand, if your eyes have been enlightened, God has to do that. He has to put it in you to know what you're called to do. And once you respond by that name, you understand what I'm saying? Then, then you're off and running. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, and mean it. And then he'll do the rest. He'll open doors. He'll prepare you. He'll do everything that he needs to do to equip you for what you need to do. You don't have to fight anybody. You don't have to tell nobody off and write mean letters to the pastor and you know, all that kind of stuff. You don't have to do anything like that. All you have to do is humble yourself to God, and he will put you in the right place. You know, when you've grown as much as you can grow in one place, they'll kick you out and you go someplace else. That's how, that's how promotion happens in God. You get the left foot of fellowship. Huh? Isn't that right? They right hand you coming in and they left hand left foot you going out. Huh? <laughs> but you get up, dust yourself off, you know, dry your tears and keep moving. Huh? Because you're you're going somewhere. See, when the eyes of your understanding are enlightened to know the hope of your calling, there's a vision before you. You see yourself going somewhere in God and you cannot be stopped. Not by anybody. And the quicker you understand that, now you might have to slow down and wonder if somebody's telling you the truth or not. But after you pray it through, you just keep get up and keep moving. You understand what I'm saying? Don't stop for anything. Don't be stopped for anything. And so once you, your eyes are enlightened, you see yourself, boom, the way God sees you. You see yourself a minister. You see yourself preaching. You see yourself studying. You see yourself praying. You see yourself doing all the things God called you to do. If you're a believer, you see yourself doing it on a believer's level. Before I knew I was called to the ministry, I saw myself witnessing the people. I wanted to see people saved. And after witnessing and then God, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and God gave me the power to pray for the sick and to cast out devils. I saw myself doing those things. So that's the hope of your calling. Amen. Your calling in God is for those things. If you have a family or you're, you're looking to have a family, you see yourself doing all of those things.
But do what's at hand first. You got me? If you're not married yet, do ministry. Do it to, to the fullest extent that you can do it. If you you got kids, take them out there with you. You understand what I'm saying? Let them know that what they're called to do. They won't forget it. They'll, they'll know those things. So these are, are important things to do. They're important. I know the kids in this ministry have been, I remember when Nola had all four of her children. They, I, I saw them on the bus. I said, there's Pete, repeat, repeat, four Pete. <laughs> After a while, she had to get a sitter, you know, because it was a little, you know, wasn't enough room for all of the children all of the time. But they're used to traveling. You know, they don't get it. If somebody shakes hotel keys in their nose and, and does it like it's some big thing to spend a night in a hotel, they just look at them and say, what? I've been living in hotels all my life. Huh? They can be lured off the wrong way with a lot of nonsense. Amen? And they're not afraid to go places. They're not afraid to pick up and go somewhere if God tells them to go. So these things are very, very important. Uh, for us to know that that's part of the hope of their calling. When they'll go anywhere to follow God, that's a good thing to put in your children when they're small. Got me? Don't get them stuck somewhere where they're afraid to move and don't. Well, you know, I don't know why we got to go to church out of town. Go because that's where God told you to go, you know, and don't make any bones about it. So God makes his calling for you attainable. He makes it plain and he makes it known. It's not a mystery. You don't have some unusual spooky gift that nobody else has. You know, don't put yourself out there being unique. Try to be average. Try to be an average believer. Share your testimony. Know what your testimony is. Know what God has done for you. And be willing to share that with those who need to hear the gospel. Amen. So in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened to know the hope of your calling or his calling on you. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritances is in the saints. That's a lot to know. We have yet to have revealed to us much of what we are, much of what we're capable of. But we're to, but God's enlightening the eyes of our understanding. Yours is an inheritance, which means you don't have to beg for it. Man, it's already laid up for you. All you have to know is how to receive it by faith. How to receive it by faith. You have an inheritance with all saints, which means that. Whatever God will do for one person, he will do for you as well. You can, you can bank on that. This is a joint inheritance that's given to his church. It's laid up for all of us all the same. God is no respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith. So he respects your request. He respects your diligence. And he respects your faith. <clears throat> God will not single you out as unqualified. He qualifies you for everything you receive from him. Your qualification lies in the finished work at Calvary and whether or not you believe it's done. 
If you believe it's done, <clears throat> then you'll have no problem obeying God. Obedience is always a requirement for receiving from God. He doesn't give to rebellious children. He doesn't give to carnal children. He doesn't give it so you can waste it. You consume it on your lust, as the Bible says. You can expect God's word to work for you, just as it works for anybody you consider to be the super saint. You understand me? You qualify just like they do. I remember when I was, uh, God told me to start doing healing schools. In fact, that was one of the first meetings we did. We did, we called them outreach meetings at the time. And we would always have uh, healing, you know, healing uh, meetings or prayer line. And and so uh, the first one we had, I was standing there and I asked anybody who wanted prayer to come up. And I was shocked all the people that were standing up there. And so I had, had been listening to Gloria Copeland. I always enjoy her healing school. I just, just enjoy her, period. But... Um, I was thinking to myself, I said, I wonder if I could ever do do things like she does. And, and God says, I called you just like I called her. He said, why wouldn't I use you the same way I, I use another minister? <coughs> so don't ever forget that. Don't ever put yourself in a, a comparison, in a comparison situation, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and disqualify yourself for some reason. Hmm? God is a great qualifier. He's no respecter of persons. If you believe him, he will do for you what he does for any. You have an inheritance with all saints. <coughs> Excuse me. The riches of God are in glory. They are in him. And they are not earthly. When God talks about his riches... They are spiritual riches. (coughs) So your eyes have to be enlightened to really appreciate the value of spiritual riches. Spiritual riches have to do with (coughs) your command of the realm of the spirit. Because that's where everything originates. If you... (laughs) Miss Lana... I need about five of these. <laughs> here, they're over here, honey. We have shrunk them to midget size. <clears throat> you know, I have that bottle that's so on. Give me that one on the top. <laughs> I forgot. She gave me a shoddy. What's the? I thought it was wine at first. I said, "Oh, we gonna have communion today?" Was or just me? <laughs> mm-hmm. Give me another one. Just a little bit. Of yeah, just lie me about four of them up here. We don't even know what we're going to do. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So, <clears throat> spiritual richness is something you have to have your eyes enlightened to appreciate. If God laid out everything he had for you, it's like Brother Summerall used to ask, tell people, he said, <clears throat> in the day meeting, he said, well, I'm going to preach tonight. And I'm going to tell you the date and the time when Jesus is coming back. He said the house would be packed. He said, you're a bunch of heathens. <laughs> if I told you, if God told you today he was coming back, you live for the devil until he comes. So 
<laughs> but it is true. So that's why he keeps everything in glory, where he can control it. Your faith can, uh, <clears throat> by your faith, it can be released to you. So the spiritual richness is something we must have our eyes enlightened to be able to appreciate. This is more than knowing that you will go to heaven, though that that is the blessed hope. That is part of the hope of our calling, that this, will, this life will end with heaven as reward. But it is also accessing heaven as our inheritance while we're down here. So the Lord's Prayer petitions God to let it be on earth as it is in heaven. So what you're asking is for heaven's blessings, heaven's order, heaven's atmosphere, heaven's dominion to be released to you down here on earth and in the situations that you're praying for. So all of these things, what you're asking for is for God's dominion in these situations. And that's part of your inheritance. Your inheritance is to have God come down in your situation and make it line up with his word. Make it match exactly with what his word says it's supposed to be. Once the eyes of your understanding are enlightened to that degree, then you will learn to trust God more and get him involved in more things. I think a lot of what <clears throat> happens when we don't understand that this prayer is our inheritance is that we don't get God involved as often as we should and as frequently as we should and to the degree that we should and, and get the expectancy at a higher level because we don't really understand that all of this is part of our inheritance in God. But you have a right to have heaven's dominion in your household, in your, your person, your physical person, all of those things. You have a right to heaven's dominion and uh, in, in have it be down here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. As it is in heaven. And so <clears throat> when you start understanding what God has laid up for you, And you know what the hope of your calling is. God, you have called me as a minister of the gospel. We are all called to that calling. Amen. When we say minister, don't think of it as a pulpit. A minister is a servant. We're servants of the gospel. So we're here to serve God in the capacity of serving uh, heaven to people down here on earth. When somebody is sick and you pray for them, you are bringing heaven down here on earth. You're not just <clears throat> you're not just hoping the doctors find a cure and marching around with the pink ribbon on. You understand what I'm saying? You got higher. You got access to higher stuff than that. I know y'all like all that pink ribbon stuff. You better dig down and get you some prayer cloths and stuff for these people. Because I see the saints of God going down with the world in this stuff. You know, they're just looking for one day. They don't even know if somebody's out there really doing some research. You know, the left hand is so disconnected from the right hand. And why are you waiting on a cure anyway when the Bible says you're healed? 
while you waiting on something getting you some scriptures and learn how to appropriate your healing so you can bring heaven down here on earth for you got me i mean there there's really no there's come on now there's no glory in you know wearing a ribbon around and, and being sick and taking treatments and ravaging your body and all that there's no glory there that's not god it's not god you know jesus is a, we've prayed so for so many people over the years with cancer I, you, you know it, it just is remarkable that saints of god would start picking that up as a cause for them instead of getting getting to somebody i mean you can go to benny hinn meeting you sit in front of the tv you can go richard roberts you can go to the copelands there's so many places that you can uh, resources we have you know uh, not everybody's church preaches divine healing i know that you know but that doesn't stop you from getting healed if you want it god will see to it you get it now you know just break away from the pack and ro- run get you some healing you know yeah so god will do these things there was a lady that came to the healing school i just thought about her she was in your healing um the miracle messenger that lady she said i saw you in a dream i said oh really you're not my type like boys whatever you know what i'm saying just when people tell you stuff like that you listen you know what i'm saying god wants you well so so much he will show you what the person looks like she said i saw you in a dream she said then i went to a store and i saw your face on that flyer i came over here to get my healing she said god told me you were going to pray for me and i said and i prayed for her and god healed her you got me it's that simple huh of course i was glad no (laughs) that famous smile the one that wins them all okay all right all right all right different meeting but anyway but you know what i'm saying (laughs) i'm glad i had myself fixed up so i was recognized you know i give people flyers and they look at the flyers this you i said yeah with my hair combed just come to the meeting you don't know what i went through to get out the house (laughs) i had to bypass the world the flesh and the devil to get here (laughs) questioning me like that now I'll comb it again when you come. So it'll be twice you saw me. Anywho. <clears throat> so we have an inheritance. Everybody's included. Isn't that wonderful? You're written in the will. You have not been left out. God thought about you and provided for you. Everything you will ever need is already written down and provision is made for it. If that don't make you sound carefree, I don't know what else will, because there's no sweat from here on in. Amen? Many of us have natural parents that were poor and couldn't leave us anything. You've got an inheritance. That curse is broken. Amen? Amen. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Amen? To his children's children. All of our lives, we were we were living hand to mouth. You know, I never thought my dad would get to the place where he left us anything. But he lived so long, 
and he didn't have to spend any of his retirement money that came in. I said, "Woo! look at that. Thank you, Daddy. Huh? He left money to us and his grandchildren. So that's, you know, he's a good man. You know, he's a good man. He just had some difficulties in life. So you can't judge people by what you see sometimes. But it, it was a blessing to see God prosper him in that way. And he felt good about being able to. Of course, he always accused you of taking his money and go through the ringer. Where is my money? Daddy, you ain't got no money. <laughs> but he was he was glad to be able to do that, and I know it, it made his heart feel good. Every parent wants to provide for their children, leave an inheritance for them. Amen? From the goodness in your heart, you want to do that. <clears throat> so you have an inheritance with all saints. Everything that somebody has received from God, you can receive from God as well. Amen? And that spirit of prophecy will rise up inside of you when you hear that testimony. And that's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. I can remember sharing a testimony about, and I would always teach on the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy. And I remember um, Renee, uh, uh, who who's passed away now, Miss Juana's sister. And she was listening. We were talking about, I was talking about um a repair I needed on my car, and I just called the uh, the, the uh, manufacturer. They had a some kind of helpline or something. I forget what it was, but I'd always look in the back, the owner's manual. I'd look in the back and see all the phone numbers, all the people I knew I might have to call one day. And so there's a, a line that you can can call. GM and Cadillac have that. You can appeal to them. If there's something, if your warranty is out of whack or something goes on, you don't like it, and you talk to them people, you know, and they need to hear you out, and they'll give you a case number, blah, 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 blah. The short of it was, uh, you know, my transmission was out of warranty, and I talked to them, and they gave me a new transmission. You know, we we split it because I paid for the labor, but they tra- paid for that. And so <clears throat> I was sharing that, and I was saying God can get things done for you, uh, because of favor and because he he gives you an inheritance. So Renee heard that, and I think her car stopped on her somewhere, and she <laughs> got on the phone, and they came out, and they got my car, and they fixed it. <laughs> I said, go, Nene. You know, God will do it for all of us. Come on now. You know, you have to have your heart of faith open. Faith works by love. You can't get mad when you hear somebody's testimony and get jealous. You say, ooh, I got that coming too. Let me write that down because I know I can get that too. Amen? So once he does it for one of his kids, he'll do it for all of us. When you when you fixed a meal at home, all your kids sat at the table. You didn't have no kids you didn't invite. And you didn't have to because they knew they were entitled. Amen? That's the way it is in God's house. Amen. Definitely the way it is. <clears throat> Verse 19, and what is the exceeding great, exceeding greatness? As if greatness isn't a big enough word. The exceeding greatness of your power. I'm reading the King James. It says, to us word or toward us who believe. The power comes to believers. What do you have to believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ 
when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now that word wrought actually means to make instant or to place at hand. So this exceeding great power has been placed in hand. It's real close to you. You don't have to fast and pray, which most people ain't going to do anyway. But you know what I'm saying? To go through a lot of changes so God can empower you. It's right at hand. huh? If we can get this, this trying hard for stuff out of our minds, not qualifying for things out of our minds. Or the opposite is some people think it's so easy, they assume they have it. Faith is not an assumption. Faith is a spiritual force. The Bible says faith is evidence and substance. So faith is tangible. It's, It's a spiritual invisible force, but it is tangible in the invisible realm. Faith is that force that makes you not feel nervous about something anymore. It gives you an assurance. It gives you a comfort. It gives you a peace. It gives you a confidence. Now, I know you can get all that stuff, but I'm talking about real Bible faith where you have confidence in God, not you. This is God's power that he worked and made instant and placed at hand in Christ. So when you're in Christ, this power is right at hand for you. You don't have to try to work it up. You don't have to try to. You just got to understand how to yield to it. Now, some people yield better when they don't eat. But I've been caught off guard. (laughs) After having had a chicken wing or chicken leg. But before I, I usually don't eat before I minister, you know, unless it's going to be late at night. And then if I just don't feel to eat, I don't eat. That's called fasting. But you don't have to get yourself whittled down to a little nub for God to give you a little enough power to blow your nose. I remember when I say God catches you off guard. He does this because he's sovereign. And he wants you to get out of this works mentality and legal thing that's so easy for us to get into when we want something. I treated my husband, I won't say that. If I will, I'll tell you. I treated him a whole lot better close to payday. (laughs) Oh, it's a joke. Wake up. Y'all didn't go to sleep on me. I wouldn't have to go there. But when you want something, you straighten up. You're crazy if you don't. Because you don't know a straighten up is going to work. It might work. Huh? <laughs> Run the bubble bath. shooby dooby doo. Oh, it's not payday? <laughs> Put that old T-shirt back on. No. Oh, wake up. Grow up, children. Uh, put the kids to bed. Don't wake up. 
Where was I with this? <laughs> but he'll, he'll he'll help you to get out of legal stuff if he sees you're you're headed that way. You know, sometimes you don't know that's what he's doing at the time, but you know, if he, and especially in in your heart's pure in this, you're not trying to to earn nothing in God, but you're trying to figure out how these things work. And so I knew that that I would be empowered and never failed if I would do a little fasting. And I'm not talking about 40 days. No, I've never gone 40 days doing nothing straight. Good, bad, indifferent. (laughs) Cooking, making up the bed, none of that. If I get away with it, I didn't do it. But only for so long. But anyway, I I was sneaking out. You know, Pastor Shirley will tell you, she, my husband kept me on a very short leash. And he, had, he left a list of things for me to get done during the day. So she always was my little part of She said, what you got to do, girl? I said, I don't know. I don't have time. Oh, come on. We can do that. We can squeeze that in before he gets home. Now, we like, we're both married to him, you know. <laughs> Honey, men is high maintenance. They talk about, but these brothers is. They keep you working. And I wanted to go to the jewelry store. Something important was coming up. I had to be ready. Or at least <laughs> at least perched to be to pounce. But anyway. I'm in a jewelry store and this lady uh is waiting on me. And I was looking, it was and I think it was kids' jewelry. I don't even know why I was looking at Disney earrings and stuff. I was, I doing over here I was making my way to the adult side of the store but she came up to me and uh, she was uh, talking to me and and her thumbs were stiff it wouldn't bend and so I was looking at her and I says what's wrong with your thumbs and I'm looking in the case and her them thumbs is looking at me and I'm trying to look past the thumbs I said what's wrong with your thumb <laughs> And I only got like 30 minutes, you know, I was on a tight leash. So uh, she said, oh, my thumbs, they used to work, and then they froze. Well, she had some job, and her thumbs froze, and she's working at this jewelry store. I don't know how she got there. I don't know how she got there, but anyway, these thumbs are staring at me. They don't bend. And I said, well, God's going to heal you. I said, because I'm going to pray for your thumbs in a minute, but right now, can I see this? <laughs> that wrong <laughs> I know I said okay. lady if you knew the life I have to live you'd be more merciful to me and so I told her I said show me that right there first and she said okay and she kept talking about it she said I just oh I just pray every night she said and I rub them and I just said Jesus God please just heal me she didn't say Jesus God please 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 heal me and so uh, you know what that does to somebody who's anointed. Your heart goes like, <laughs> all of a sudden the jewelry's a blur and everything else is a blur except for them little stiff thumbs. And so I, I said, I'm going to pray for you now. And, and so I said, in the name of Jesus, thumbs, you loosen up and be normal. And I said, bend them. She said, ah! And she ran around the store and, A couple weeks later, I go in the store and I ask about her. Nobody remembers her. 
And this guy said, you know, I think that was that lady. She was here for one day. They transferred her from another store for one day. Huh? Now, suppose I didn't know. And see, God won't tell somebody to do this that he knows he can't get you. You know, get you to obey him. He doesn't give power to people who aren't faithful with it. So, amen. So he knew once I saw that and, you know. He doesn't care what you're trying to do, in other words. You can't get too carnal that God won't tug at your heartstrings. You know, the, your your desire for things is not greater than his ability to pull you over into the anointing. Amen. Once you've been anointed. You know, because you won't keep it long if you're that kind of person. You understand what I'm saying? He'll, you, you'll, you'll bust out on tryouts. Many times God has used us to help people or to heal people or something like that and we don't stay with it you've got to stay with it and thank god for using you and ask god to use you more amen this should never be a one-time event in the life of a believer you let the devil talk you out of these things with with religious thinking but we're all called to lay hands on the sick so that god can heal them They'll never be healed if you don't reach out and pray for them. Amen. And let the glory be of God. Don't think that's you doing anything. Trust me. I had had me something to eat that day and probably had indigestion too. You know what I'm saying? But but still, God will use you. So it didn't depend on me not eating him him anointing me. So, you know, you, you learn these things as you go. So this is his mighty power. It's exceeding great. His exceeding great power. Not only the greatest power in the world, but exceeding greatness of his power. And this is for all who believe. That's the stipulation. You must believe. This is the same power that blew a stone from in front of the grave that held Jesus. It's dunamis. Amen. It's that kind of power. Whatever that power needs to do to get the will of God done, it will do. If it means blasting a a stone from in front of a grave to get Jesus out of it, that's what this power will do. If it means raising somebody from the dead, that's what this power will do. If it means healing somebody or restoring limbs or restoring eyes, restoring sight, that's what this power will do. Amen. It's the same power that was exerted to raise him up and out of the grave. So apostolic authority and apostolic prayer wants the believer to be acquainted with that. So the early church has already prayed for all believers to receive this power. That prayer means that we can become acquainted with the power. You have to know within yourself that you've been empowered. You've got to have faith that it's there. And you have to ask God to put you in a place where it works. You'll never know it works if you're not in a place to have it work. All you have to do is say, somebody tells you they're not feeling well. Can I pray for you? I just believe God wants to heal you. That's all you got to say. And God is there with you. So this prayer is also prophetic because it's an impartation prayer. So then this, this faith is imparted to you 
when you understand what God has ordained for you to have, what your inheritance is. This power is your inheritance. It's for you. It's laid up for you, so just receive it. You should all have it by now. Be walking in it. Understand it. Ask God to familiarize you with how the power works, how it works in you, and what you can do under this power. Be quick to want to alleviate human suffering. Don't don't sit up and wonder if they want prayer or not. They don't know until you ask them. Until it's, they're offered for prayer, <clears throat> you will never know if they want prayer. If they say no, it means simply means they don't want it. Don't mean there's nothing wrong with you. So don't go get depressed for three years and lay on your couch and wonder what's wrong with you. <laughs> Somebody might come by and tell you. You understand? You don't want to know what's wrong with you. You want to know what what's right with God and what He wants you to do. Amen. In verse twenty, it says, "This this power He made instant." And placed in hand in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was raised up with all power. Amen. That was one of the first things he told the disciples. He said, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. In other words, I own this thing. Amen. When he walked the earth, it was in the Father's power. He had to obey the Father. But he paid the price. The Bible says God gave him a name above every name. And so the power is released by the authority of his name. So at the name of Jesus, these things happen. At the name of Jesus, that power is released. When you obey Jesus, the power is released. He set him at his own right hand. In heavenly places. So Jesus having ascended on high. Has a power that is above every power in the universe. So God elevated him. Because of his obedience. He was obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. And the Bible says that God has given him a name. Above every name. Because at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, things in heaven, things in the earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus having been ascended upon high, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.11, he led captivity captive. Turn there for just a second. Verse 8, wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captive captivity, or led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. So part of Jesus' ascension means that he has put under arrest that power that held us captive. So we're free to serve God. There's no more devil stopping you from doing anything. In fact, there's nothing stopping you from doing anything God has told you to do. You just have to quit backing down to the voices that tell you you can't do it. Hmm? 
The devil will tell you all the time, oh, you, oh, don't lay hands on people. With look at people gonna think something wrong with you. What what's gonna happen if they die? Huh? Well, if I get them before you do, devil, they'll live. You understand? When you keep listening to him, they will die. You can't hurt people half as much as the devil can. You understand me? I don't care if it's a crazy child of God. You know, some of us are a little delirious at times. But even in your delirium, you can do more help for them than the devil can do harm. So you get to them first. You understand? Quit putting it off. Huh? Quit putting it off and go do what God wants you to do. He descended in the is he that descended is the same as he is ascended. So he he was in all places that he might fill all things. So that makes him Lord of everything. He descended into hell first, tied up the devil and all of his minions. The Bible says that he made an open show of him. He spoiled principalities and powers, making an open show of them. So what that is, is that he took the devil and just dragged him through the streets of hell, up up one side and down the other, made an open show of him and took everything away from him. Amen. Everything of yours and everything of mine. What's he trying to steal from you? Your vision, your money, stealing your ministry, stealing your health, stealing your, your children, stealing your family. What's he trying to steal from you? Well, Jesus already stripped him of that. Huh? He took captive captivity. So really the devil's under his feet. He's under his authority and under his control, which means that when you operate in his place, the devil's under your authority, under your control. He can't do anything. I've had people that, you know, demonize people or, or, you know, people, can I do so-and-so trying to manipulate you? No, you can't do it. See, once I give you permission, you the devil just don't want a little something, huh? He wants your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner. But he's got to get your permission to get it. He just can't take it from you. Don't relinquish anything to him. Tell him no all the time. In fact, say no first before you say yeah. Don't be so easy with your yes. We'll say it again because y'all didn't like it halfway. Don't be so easy with your yes. Huh? You have time to pray about everything. Time to pray about everything. I've been in situations, things I was sure was God. Found out they weren't God. He said, you need to ask me. You need to pray and ask if that is me. He doesn't want you involved in everything. So he set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Man, that's in heaven. God's heaven. Far above. Not next door to. And not close to. That's the way he wants you to live too. Far above the devil. Don't be a bottom feeder. You know, one of these people, if somebody got something negative to say, they always run to you. Don't be like that. Huh? That's a spirit. The devil's trying to keep your mind polluted with a bunch of nonsense. Huh? Especially when it comes to stirring up trouble among the saints. You always get somebody who thinks they know something about somebody. Huh? You don't know nothing about me. My story is yet to be revealed. 
yet to be told. Why? Because we're open epistles known and read of all men. God lets you know about what each other, what he wants us to know about each other. You don't need to know anything more. Mind your own beeswax. So this is, he's, he's far above all principality and power, might and dominion, every name that's named. I mean, there's all power, folks. You have nothing to be afraid of. Don't let the devil make you hesitate from stepping out when God tells you to do something. This power is ascension as well as resurrection. So it raised him from the grave, but also caused him to ascend on high above all of this stuff that we have to deal with. So when you're in Christ and you believe and you're willing to to take up the the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will elevate you to be seated in heavenly places. Now, this isn't for people who don't believe this. You have to believe this. You have to believe that the devil is not talking to you eyeball to eyeball. you got to believe he's under you trying to get you to come down to his level. You got me? You, and you keep him down there. Let him get up in your face and start telling you this and telling you that. I had to learn how to be careful what I agreed with with people. You know, people get mad at me because I don't give them the response they're looking for. Well, I don't know if I want to get involved in all that with you. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, even even uh, identifying with you, agreeing with you, and, you know, oh, sympathizing. I don't, I don't roll like that. You know, if it's a bad situation, let's do something to change it. Let's get with God and see what he wants to do to pull you out of it. But I'm not going to go down there and wallow with you. Somebody got to stay up here. You understand what I'm saying? Because you ain't going to get me out when I'm down there. (laughs) This is a kingly power. That's why he calls us a royal priesthood. Royalty has sovereign authority. Amen. Sovereign means that you operate in it all by yourself. Huh? You and God, you know, you can take authority over any devil you see. You don't have to get God's permission. Oh, God, this ain't my devil. He ain't in my house. He ain't on my property. Can I bind him? You sure can. Huh? You, as a king is a sovereign. That means that his authority goes wherever his throne is set up. Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. That means that you have authority to attack On behalf of the kingdom, anything in this known world, both realms, heaven, earth, under the earth, amen, all dimensions he has authority over, and he will give you authority. Now, if your faith doesn't work like that, work your faith where you can believe you have authority. I'm going to say it again. If your faith does not work like that, work your faith where you have authority. You got me? I can remember talking to people. They would say, well, I believe it's, you know, I moved into a house and I believe it's spirits there. I said, well, kick them out. They said, it ain't my house. I said, you pay rent? <laughs> if you don't pay rent, kick If you behind in your rent, kick them out anyway. Beat up the devil wherever you see him. Huh? 
But you know, these questions come to people's minds. But we have, he, Jesus has all power. Every place your feet rest, you take dominion there for him. Amen? You're his representative wherever you go. You don't have to share your space with the devil. My goodness. I don't care if it's in your husband, your kids, whoever. Huh? It's the truth. You take authority over that thing in your prayers. Makes life so much more peaceful. And take authority over your own little demons too. Oh, yeah. Clean, you gonna clean house, clean house. Huh? And you know, there are times I get mad at him and get into that little place where I wasn't gonna talk or you know what I'm saying. It lasts long, especially when God came in. You know, God makes a look at you. Get on up and do what you need. You know what you I know I gotta be the one apologizing because you're always wrong with your nutty self. Huh? You want to know why? I tell you why. You're wrong. You start getting right, you won't have to do it so much. Huh? Just when you don't mind apologizing all the time, that's when you straighten up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't mind doing this. Then you get good all of a sudden. Jesus has invested kingly power in us. This ain't no cheap thing, baby. This cost him a whole lot. And he's handed it over to us. So we rule and reign with him when we ascend with him on high by faith. Now you have to use the power in the level where you're at before you get more. You don't go and try to run, you know, San Francisco or someplace like that or Run down to the city hall and want to root out all the demons from all the people. And come on now, there's a whole bunch of devils in every city hall. Start with you know your congressman or some <laughs> council people. I don't know, you know what I'm saying. But and don't always be picking at people. We wrestle against principalities and powers. Why would you worry about your mayor has a devil or some congressperson? They all got devils. Come on, political devils. They manipulate and lie and all that stuff. But you could get the prince over the city if you learn how to work with God. And that will clear the whole place out. You chase him out of the mayor, he jumps into city council president. You chase him out of there, he'll jump into a council. Now, come on now, quit this. And find out who's running the whole show. Take him down. You're seated in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power, might, dominion, every name that's named, every throne on the earth. You're above all of that stuff. Huh? Prince, what's his name? Who's the prince over there in England? Is it Charles? No, that's the daddy. What's the William? Wills. You know? They wear nice. I like them them suits they be wearing. You get a close up on that fabric. Oh man, them wools and tweeds and stuff, huh? But if he got a devil and it's interfering with something, I'm gonna bind it. You understand? <clears throat> and that little baby too. What's that baby's name? They even had two babies. <laughs> See, the wife is Kate, right? I can't keep up with all these people. But the little baby, I bind his devil too in Jesus' name cute and spit up on you but you got a devil that's got to go you understand what i'm saying you don't like nobody so much that you tolerate the devil in them you got me huh 
how do we ascend we ascend to with jesus by engaging in the work he has left for us to do you get involved in the work of, of prayer you get involved especially prayer prayer will ascend you because when you when you're in prayer you have to address all of these levels of spiritual authority highest level is the principality man so you 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 know you sometimes you will address a prince over a city you don't have to know him by name you don't have to see a vision of him just look at what he does you got drugs you got prostitution you got child abduction you got trafficking you got enough stuff to know what to hit you understand well hit them all make him lose these people you you are to release your, the riches of God and his authority down here on earth so you want to see God's word come to pass you see the standard of living for people get greater you see people get free you see people want more to, to obey God and want to do the right thing the devil is making advances through our legal system courts are are filthy with lawsuits people taking things from people they have no right to why because they're bold enough to get up and go do it and so god's looking for his people to be bold and take it back amen it'll shock you you can do one thing and the devil back down so fast it'll make your head spin you'll say is this the, the idiot that was making all that noise huh All of these powers are under his feet. Now, they are legitimate powers. The devil has a right to certain things on this earth, and he wills his authority. But it's not greater than God's. So this is why God looks for his people to ascend with him and rule over these things. Far above principality and power. In other words, they can't touch you. Amen. You're so far above them, they can't touch you. <clears throat> take authority over spirits that will try and retaliate against you man you you know who they are they want to come and get you and stare at you and look ugly and all kind of stuff you don't have to put up with that you bind that too mm-hmm. elijah running from jezebel was was one of his last runs huh? after he started once you start running from the devil you're really not much good to god you see what i'm saying elijah when he told god you know he's oh god i was zealous for you and i was the only one doing that he said i got so many people down there elijah what you talking about but immediately after he began to talk to god about i'm tired i'm ready to die and all that god said well before you do that go anoint elisha i got a replacement for you already you understand what i'm saying so don't get where you don't want to work for god no more because you are easily replaced he'll make you train your replacement huh read your bible we think we're doing something big by telling god well you know i don't know him and and all that stuff he don't listen to that stuff for long he had like a, a five-minute conversation with Moses about that stuff. At the end of it, Moses said, okay, I'll do it. You got me? So that's about all we all get, about five minutes with our shenanigans. And, you know, after that, it's either you'll do it or you won't do it. 
But God will honor you if you will honor him. When he calls you to do something, it's because he will qualify you. He will equip you. He will empower you. You're already empowered. You just have to know how to, to, you know, put the bullets in the gun. (laughs) That's all we're learning down here. And to aim at the right things. Don't shoot the body. Huh? In other words, don't shoot your foot, your eye out, your ear, nothing. Aim it out there. Huh? With a steady hand. And fire. Amen? And when you like the results, fire again. Don't make yourself a one-day, one-time wonder with your testimony. Make it a consistent part of your life. You know, saints wear me out bragging about, well, how long ago was that? Ooh, that's been about 12. Here we go. Done nothing for God since then. Uh, You make your one testimony a trophy. God wants to have a testimony every day if he can out of his people. Look how much hell there is out here. Don't you think we need to do that? So in meditating on this, Ephesians 1, 17 through 23, put all things under his feet. And given to be head to, to, to the church, <coughs> this power is given to the church, which is his body. We are the fullness of him that fills all in all. We have enough of us down here to do everything God wants us to do. Turn this world upside down. We just have to stay faithful with it. And start to understand this power, understand how to walk in this power, understand how to wield this power, and be consistent. Many times you see people get started out, it's, it's, it's just true. I've heard people say this for years. They start out with a bang and end up with a fizzle. Huh? Because people don't know how to be faithful. They don't know how. To see all of the examples we see of the great ones in the Bible, you can pick up something from them. David, when he was discouraged, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He wasn't looking for somebody to come pray for him and do everything for him. He learned how to to be a self-encourager. Learn how to, to elevate yourself. Learn how to get your spirit built up. You have all the tools. You just have to put them to use. Learn how to, when, when you have times where you're, you're not really uh, as active with God, you know, as you're accustomed to being, sometimes things slow down. You have to learn how to maintain your, your spirit. Learn how to make sure your spirit is strong even in times where you're bored, you know, or God's not really using you as much as he used to or whatever it is. Sometimes people will get involved with with doctrine that's incorrect, wrong revelation, because they don't know how to maintain their spirit, the integrity of their spirit. Your spirit's the most precious thing about you. You need to learn how to feed it, protect it, keep it vibrant, active, and alive, all of those things. You need to know when you, you need a tune-up, go in for maintenance and repair. You know what I'm saying? And to do those things that are necessary and don't give yourself over to idleness. Idleness is what got David in in trouble with Bathsheba, you know. He could have lived well beyond 70 years, but he just made 70 and was out. Got me? And he had trouble a lot because of his sin. And so we have to understand that God knows what you need when you need it. You're going to have some 
wonderful times in God. You know, when we have conferences, everybody enjoys them, and you wish they would last forever. (laughs) But you can't live in that all the time. You know, live in the anointing all the time. I wish I could live like that all the time because it's such a wonderful place to be. But then there are times when you come out of that and you have to live by faith on a different level. But know that God has given everything that the church needs is already here, folks. We're not praying for revival as though it's something way out there that needs to come down from heaven. A revival is locked up on the inside of his people. And we need people who are enlightened enough and have a vision for more from God to begin to expect more, petition more, ask God for more, stay ready for whatever you need to do. God, I'm here for the more. You know, I've gone several days now and haven't had a chance to witness to anybody, lay hands on anybody. Nobody's called me for prayer, nothing. Uh, give me something. You got me? And start getting hungry for the right things. Amen. I like to shop like y'all do, but there's a time for shopping. Like Ecclesiastes said, there's a time for everything under heaven. And there's not always the time for that. And so we need to understand how to maintain our spiritual integrity, even when times are, are a little slow or we're, we think we're waiting on God for things. No time to get bitter. No time to get discouraged. But it's a time to encourage yourself in the Lord and expect more from God because more is coming. Amen. All the time. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you for helping us, Lord, according to your holy word. We bless you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God. Everybody's good? Nobody coming up for prayer? Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to bless our food. We're going to serve. God, baby, you've been making all that noise. What are you doing, huh? Hello. Oh, you want to come? Well, I'll switch with you. Hold the mic on Oopsie, I'm dropping you. You want Bob anoint you with oil? I'm going to anoint you. It's done. Thank you. See, my prayer time is over. (laughs) I saved it. You're sweet. Praise God. Okay. Pray for Pastor Shirley. Get your chair up.